What's up, my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions expressed are those of your host and the guest. Today, we're doing an Ask Me Anything, uh, myself and my brother, Aaron Quinn. That's it. Enjoy. All right. So, uh, welcome to the first ever Fireground Fitness Ask Me Anything. Um, and I was told that in order to do an Ask Me Anything, uh, it was supposed to be just me. However, um, I didn't think that that would be enough depth. So I wanted to bring in my good brother, Aaron Quinn, who is on the line with us today. Awesome. I'm happy to be here. I'm super excited. Yeah. So we uh, we reached out. And um, if you want to know more about Aaron, he uh, he was on episode 38. And that's why I brought him back because he's a, a treasure trove of fantastic information and um, and has a, has opinions and he is willing to share them and some thoughts and ideas. So uh, that is why we gathered here today. Uh, anything you want to start off with, Aaron? Uh, no, you know, just a quick uh, brief uh, bio. I work in Oakland, California. I've been there for 20 years. And it's just a city I grew up in, the city I live in. And I'm super passionate about Fireground Fitness as well. And so I'm just really excited to dive into these these questions. We have four awesome questions lined up today. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's um let's do it. Let's just jump in. Yeah. So um, we solicited uh, y'all on Instagram, Facebook, tw- Twitter, blah blah blah, and um, we we came up with some great questions that popped in. So the first one uh, that I'll start with is from Sean Grinnell uh, at at Enter the Cricket. I don't know what that means, but I like it. Uh, and his question, his first question is, he says, uh, I'm a firefighter that works for a smaller department. I'm considering testing for the major city department in my area. What are the pros and cons of going from a smaller department to a bigger department? What say you, Aaron? Wow. This is a, this is a great question. And there's so many ways to, to, to attack this question. So <clears throat> I was thinking about it last night, actually, when I was at work. And for those who don't know about Oakland, you know, I, in my mind, I think of Oakland as a small department only because uh, in my mind, I imagine like the Chicago's and New York's, uh, but we are a pretty fair sized department. So I, and we, we pull from a lot of smaller departments. So we have a lot of laterals and people who come over from smaller departments into our big department. So I hear a lot of chatter. So my basic thoughts on this are, 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 are twofold. The first one is kind of more of an existential question for you to ask yourself is, you know, what are you looking for in a fire department and sit down and really turn that over. Cause I think that's going to really guide your question. I can't say a bigger department is better than a smaller department. If you look at the military, some of the most successful units are small units because in small units, it's easier to keep the culture. It's easy. It's easier to keep the, the, the quality and the, and the, level of training really high but with that being said sometimes small departments they suffer from lack of funding or maybe it isn't the call volume or maybe there isn't the opportunity to promote uh or experience something like usar or hazmat or or swift water rescue or dive teams you know a lot of people come over to oakland because we're a very busy city we get lots of fires. Uh, you can really hone your craft uh, firefighting from extrications to rescues. We have a USAR team. We have a swift water rescue team. We have a hazmat team. We have, you know, blah, 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 blah. But with that being said, with a big city, there are dysfunctions and there are things that we lack and there's rigs don't get fixed and there's washing machines that aren't working in the firehouses. And 
um, you know, it's harder to keep that control that you can with a, with a, with a smaller department. So it's kind of a long winded answer to that one, but that's what I would say to my man here, uh, some things for him to think about. Yeah. The, the, you touched on some things that I wanted to hit on as well. And I, th- I think right off the bat, the first thing I thought of is, uh, cause I came from a very small department. My first uh, three and a half years were in a, I worked in a, a little, uh, fire district that had three stations and, uh, and now I work for a major metropolitan in the Southwest rhymes with Phoenix. And the, the differential there is you can be, you can sit in at Phoenix and just be a firefighter in the back seat, right. And you can master your craft and you can do, um, you can spend your whole career as a backseat firefighter. If that's what you want to do. Um, what I found though, in the smaller agencies is that, um, there's everybody wears a hat and at some point you're going to have to be, uh, you know, engaged in your organization because there's only so many people. And, and so for that organization to be functional, people have to participate. So I found that to be a, an interesting dichotomy between the two. And the other thing that, you know, speaking of, of large versus small, like one of the pros of a big city is resources, right? So the bigger agencies have a, a broader swath of apparatus and, you know, you have an airport potentially with ARF opportunities. And, and you mentioned this already, so I'm not going to belabor it, but you talk about special operations opportunities and there's training oppor- opportunities to work in a training cadre or do different things um, at a, on a larger scale. So that's kind of an interesting uh, component of those opportunities, right? Some of the smaller agencies, they, they don't have the resources. They work with more of a mutual aid type of environment. And so they don't necessarily, you may not have the specific opportunities in your own jurisdiction. So that's an interesting thing. But what here's the other piece of that is with a small department, and I don't know how you, I would, I would think of Oakland in kind of midsize. How many, how many stations do you guys have? Uh, we have 25 stations. Okay. So that's kind of like large midsize. I think most yeah. kind of smaller to midsize are like in the like, you know, seven to 10 and then the small departments are like three. Um, but what I found the difference being is like in those smaller agencies, you know, everybody and you know, their families and you've spent time with, you know, you've worked with them, you spend holidays together, et cetera. There's, I ran into a guy recently, uh, who I, you know, I've got just under 23 years on and I ran into a guy who had just about as much time as I did. And we, in the same organization and we'd never met and how crazy is that? Right. So versus the small department, I knew everybody and, and had, you know, friendships with everybody in the department had met their family and their wife and kids, et cetera. So that I think you brought up the, you said this in the very beginning, which is it really depends on what you want to get out of your career. And I think some of those things that we just touched on are, you know, kind of express that, uh, um, some of those differences. The last thing is, is sometimes pay and benefits change too. And that's sort of kind of part and parcel with the, the bureaucracy, the nature of the organizations. And, and that has to be taken into consideration. You know, it is a career after all, and you are trying to consider how your life and family are going to be taken care of. And generally bigger departments have stronger unions, um, which have better pay and benefits. You know, one of the things I want to point out too about smaller departments, um, and I'll use an example of uh, a department that's across the bay from us that is famous for a couple of bridges. Um, they're they're a very they're a very large department uh, in the Bay Area, but they don't get as many fires as we do. And when they do, they have so many people to go to them that the amount of work you get is very minimal. And I'll use an example of another department uh, that is around us that's smaller than us. But because they're smaller, when they get a fire, everybody works. 
Mm. Right. So, mm. you know, you, you, it, it, it's, it's so hard to to say what's better, bigger or smaller. Um, I think it really comes down to what who you are and if you vibe with that department's culture. That's a really, um, that's a really, really good point. Because, you know, in the bigger departments, you can kind of find different pockets, but every department has its own culture. And uh, I think it, that that's the bigger piece here. Yeah. Yeah. That there's absolutely, uh, that's absolutely critical. Um, you know, you, you talk about, uh, I, we call it banging bottles, right? When you get a, a work and fire and you get people who add on and you get all these people in there and you just get so many resources piled up on top of you. Um, that does change the dynamic of the fire ground. And, um, uh, you know, cause you can overwhelm an incident with just resources versus working in a more rural or a, a smaller agency that doesn't have as many resources nearby. Uh, you've got, you know, three person apparatus and, and then your next first, your next due truck is like, you know, 10, 15 minutes away. And so you're going to be working by yourself, uh, potentially for quite some time. And that changes the dynamics of the environment. And yeah. some, some of it comes out to, to the culture. You're in Oakland. Our culture is to try to do as much as possible with as few resources as possible. We don't want to strip our city. Yeah. Right. So we will fight a fire at a single alarm assignment as long as humanly possible. Um, in other cities, their culture is to basically flood this incident with as many resources as possible. Mm. And, and, and again, it comes down to the vibe and the culture and who you are as a person and, and, and what do you, and what do you want to do? Um, I think another important point, uh, in a small department, it's, it's a lot easier to affect change. And in the larger department, the larger the department, it takes a lot more time to affect change and kind of move the wheel. Yeah. So, so to speak. Yeah. The larger the agency, the, the more bureaucracy that is built in. And, you know, and you have this, I look at it as like an aircraft carrier, right? One small, uh, one small change. It, t- it takes a long time for it to work, you know, for the aircraft carrier to turn, right? Yeah. Turn that thing real quick. And then to write that, to get it back on track hard, but with smaller agencies, they can, they can try something today and flip it and turn it back tomorrow and they can just look everyone in the face and go, are we good? <laughs> are we back yeah, on track? Exactly. It's, it's just that easy. You don't have to train, you know, 1600, 1700 people. It's very different. Yep. Oh, that's great. Good point, man. Hey, and what yeah. the, the thing I would say just to kind of close out this question um, is if you're looking at different agencies, reach out to people who work there and ask them what they like about it. Because that, Absolutely. you know, you talk about vibing with the culture. That's really, really important part of this. And um, that's exactly what we're talking about is understand what they what they love and what they don't love about it. And then see how that resonates with you individually. That's huge. Absolutely. All right. Ready for next question? <clears throat> yes, sir. Okay. So Sean, Sean, uh, double tapped us here. And, um, nice. So this is Sean Grinnell again at end of the cricket. He said his second question was what differences do you notice in the older generation of firefighters to the newer generation? And how can young firefighters use their skills and resources, parentheses, social media, technology, et cetera, to improve the fire service moving forward. Oof. Yeah. Man. So first of all, let's Sean. just, can I just say this right <laughs> off the bat? The older generation is hardcore and the younger generation is a bunch of sissies. I mean, I was, <laughs> was going to say, uh, Sean's asking some questions for top, for, 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 you know, top rope, uh, uh, body slams. And like, 
Hey, and the, let me just back up for a second. I am just, I'm totally being sarcastic in case anybody is missing that. Uh, I want to make sure you're, it's clear that uh, I feel like that is a line that we like to use. And every generation talks about how they're, they're hardcore and the next generation is a bunch of wussies. Um, and so I just want to be clear. I do not believe that. Uh, I love where Sean's going with this question because I think it's important. Yeah. So, you know, I think, um, I think the older generation, you know, you, you, I guess the biggest thing I see is that a lot of the people from the older generation of firefighters were pulled from three main places and really two main places. And that was the military and the trades were the two main places they were pulled from. And the third place was either college athletics or sports. Hmm. And so I think because of that, the culture and the understanding and the dynamic of the fire service was, was, built kind of on those three p- pillars and everyone kind of understood that. And I think moving forward nowadays, what I see is you have a lot of people getting hired who are essentially students who have never really worked. They go to high school, they start the EMT in their last semester of high school, they go to paramedic school, they go to fire science, and they become a firefighter. And they, ne- they never really held a job. They never really worked with their bodies. And, and, that, and that creates an entirely different entry point for, for a recruit. And that changes the, the dynamic of what a fire department is. You know, if you're coming from the trades or military, there's a certain culture and a certain way people talk that you're used to. Mm. And I'm not going to say that the newer generation is soft, but the newer generation, uh, they can't take the pounding that, you know, was around when I was on probation for sure. And definitely the pounding that was around when my dad was on probation. And, and I'm not saying all of that was good, but I think what's forgotten is there's, there is a, there is a reason why this kind of culture evolved and it does have some effectiveness. Um, another thing I think about the younger, younger generation is I think not always believing that technology is the answer. And I think this is a place where the fire service struggles. You know, we, we struggle because we want to integrate technology, but at the same time, our job at its heart and soul is not a technical job. And I think we, I think the younger generation, uh, the task they're going to have is really how do we integrate the modern day technology into the fire service in a productive manner that doesn't negate the traditions and knowledge of the past versus, you know, trying to replace it. And I, I mean, when I came in, the engineers would say, do you know how you have more water, kid? I say, how? Step on the lead. If it touches the ground, you're out of water. If the leads rock hard, you got plenty of water to give. Hmm. And now they want to have pump charts and numbers and, 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 and they have, they want to have main maps on the computer and all this complicated stuff. Uh, you know, is it worth it? I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll touch on social, the social media part, maybe a little bit, maybe after you, you jump in on this side, huh? Well, yeah. So, so there's an interesting piece here, and and I think you and I, because we, we I would consider you and I both a little bit on the old guard here, and so we're looking back at the the system we came up through, and it was a little bit more uh, rough, and it was more uh, paramilitary, and uh, much more um, uh, dress right dress for lack of a better expression. It's kind of my military mind coming through. Um, things were done a certain way, and chain of command was respected, uh, or you got crushed, right? And that was a uh, part of the process, um, you know, being a booter, uh, it was not about technology. It was about getting your hands on tools and understanding the, the physicality of the job. 
And the thing that I'm finding, you know, every organization, every uh, generation is going to start to evolve. The, fi- the fire service is changing. We're the the service delivery that we're providing to the community is changing and evolving, right? Like back you know, when we, when uh, well before you and I came on the job, but EMS was being integrated in, right? And that slowly uh, changed the fire service. And <coughs> if you look at like paramedicine now, those things are changing constantly and, and always evolving. And now uh, we're looking at uh, fire behavior the last like 10 years or so, 10, 15 years, we've been looking at fire behavior and really reevaluating what we think we understand about the fire ground and the operational context. So with that in mind, right, who's doing that? Scientists and researchers and people who are, who have a different skill set than the line firefighter per se, right? The line firefighter has been taught uh, to look at things, evaluate it, feel it, touch it, you know, sometimes lick it uh, <laughs> to their peril. And, uh, but to, to use their senses to kind of establish what's going on in the fire ground. And now we're realizing, Hey, there's some science going on here and we're, we're blending, uh, the, uh, the gearheads and the, the, you know, the, the folks who can who the, the propeller heads who can factor numbers, et cetera. And we're saying, how does that measure with our, our experience that we've had, right? Our lived experience. So I feel like this new generation coming up is, is, Asking the question why is a little bit more curious. Um, it doesn't, they don't necessarily have the same hands on skill set, but I think that's the kind of thing that can be taught to a certain degree. We talk about the, their ability to understand what's taking place on the fire ground. They're, they're in a different place. And I think we're seeing generational changes that are at a next level. Yeah. You know, I, I found myself more in the camp of the old school thought process. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's because I'm a firefighter. Um, but, you know, I, I just, you know, I see these cats. And so, so, so we, you know, here in Oakland, we hear the live dispatch come over all the stations. So, so there's a fire call hmm. with confirming skills. The live call comes through. So we, we memorize our districts. So if we hear an address, you know, 2805 High Street. I know that's our district. I know we're going. We can usually get in the rig and out the door before the tones go off. And trying to explain to these new kids that the GPS isn't fast enough. It doesn't know about traffic flow. It doesn't know about yeah. speed bumps. Yeah. Your phone, you, you you can't type in a, a street address on your phone and try to tra- follow that while you're trying to drive code three in in, in this town, right? The town yeah. is famous for how, how people drive, right? <laughs> and so technology fails. And, and I think having them understand that no, you're still need to memorize the maps, all this stuff about fire behavior, all stuff about how fire moves. This is great knowledge, but don't forget simple things, man, big fire, big water. Hmm. You know, I, I, you know, just, just, if you got a lot of it, get a big line. If you know, if, if you know, if it's not enough, call for another line, you know, or get, or back out, get something bigger. Yeah. I think we overcomplicate things to, to, to the point where we, 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 you know, we see this in the fitness world. We call it paralysis by overanalysis, mm-hmm. and, and 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 there's so much information, and we try to propeller it to, to to death. And it's like, man, it's this job. It's heart and soul. It's a simple job. It's an art, which makes it complicated. But the but the principles are simple. Yeah. No, I, I do love what you're saying, and and I do think that there are there are limitations to uh, our technology. Right. A great example that I I personally experienced was a tick camera. Right. Go. Oh, did I lose you? So what the hell just happened? <laughs> uh, I, I love it. Talking about technology and firefighters, uh, like a dumbass, I have my phone sitting in the in, 
in the sun and it just got too hot and died. So, I had to go <laughs> so, so true firefighter fashion. I'm like, Oh shit, my phone's too hot. So I run and stick it in the freezer for, for a little bit. <laughs> to cool it off. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. Oh man. Okay. So All right, <laughs> I, I was trying to tell you a story. I think, um, Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I was telling you a tick camera story. Okay. So I, um, uh, go into a fire, uh, a new captain, right? And I've, I'm like, oh, I got this, I got this tick camera. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use this tick camera. This is totally cool. And um, I, w- I got uh, uh, drilled in or candle moth to the to the little screen. And I'm going in, I'm going in, I'm going in. I'm like, oh, this is great. I know exactly where I am in this house. And it died. And and I will say this just to to in case the haters are out there. I uh, I did do a check in the morning. I switched out the batteries. It just failed. Um, so now, um, I, I knew where I was, but I, I, I thought about this after the fact, I'm like, no, I very easily could have gotten myself disoriented and lost because I was so drilled in on the use of the technology and I wasn't running my hand on the wall. I wasn't counting window sashes. I wasn't counting door frames, you know, those kind of, uh, task level skills that you, the manipulative skills that you develop as a line firefighter, you know, are very, very useful. And, and those are things that sometimes technology, uh, is not necessarily better. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, we all, I mean, I have stories of tick stuff and, uh, I don't know how far we want to share stories. Um, but you know, I think, I think it's important to, to not forget the old traditions and right. that's the, that's, that, that's the task of the, of the younger firefighter, uh, the younger generation of firefighter is how, how do you hear the wisdom and the saltiness of the of the old timers and not discard it as salty disgruntled whatever right but to hear it as as experience and knowledge and then to to find a way to blend that with technology it's going to come out i mean there's all kinds of technologies that it's going to come out it's going to change it's going to change the fire service i think 100 percent. yeah well so this is so let's talk about that for a second because sean asked you know, how can these younger folks use their technology? And I think Absolutely. this this last year with COVID, the, it, to me, has been a really interesting example of where technology has uh, allowed us to further some some things, right? So it has yeah. it found ways to do training that was really fantastic, and you know, we start using in uh, start using Zoom and things like that. That that prior to this, man, people are like, no way, dude, you got to be in a classroom. Well. <laughs> maybe you don't. Yeah. Like, maybe we can expand that classroom and use technology to our advantage. Um, you know, hey, and speaking of like kind of going back to the whole original question, smaller department versus bigger department, a smaller department, it's way easier to get everyone through a training cycle. Large department, yeah. it can take a long time to pipeline people through training. So if you can reduce windshield time and actually get people sitting in front of a screen and, and provide them with good content in a in a reasonable way, man, it's a that's a that's a big win game changer yeah 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 we experienced the same thing no i you know i think there's you know we're gonna have you know we're gonna be here pretty soon we're, you know, we're gonna have thermal imagers in, in our in our msa masks you yeah. know we're gonna be be integrating uh you know our location services into our boots or into our gear and so there's all kinds of things that are gonna be coming up and some stuff we probably don't even, we, can, we can't even think of uh and we have to find a way to for the younger generation to integrate that yeah um but what were you gonna ask? I forgot. <laughs> All right. Well, you also talk about social media, and this is oh, this that's, social media thing is a that's oh what I was going to ask. Like, like this, is, this is a tough one, and it's funny because I use social media. Um, I was I was I'm not a huge. I personally despise social media. Um, but when you're trying to, 
you know, trying to start this live, serve, thrive and trying to change the way we train people in the fire service and the, and, and the mind frame of philosophy that, you know, that we utilize to train people physically and mentally and emotionally. It is the platform which speaks to the, the younger generation. Right. Um, so I think we, 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 what I always say is we're hardwired to learn. And so no matter what we're doing, our bodies are learning. And if we're not conscious about how we're utilizing social media, the social media is actually training us. And there's plenty of studies out there. You can look them up. It doesn't take very long to see the effects that social media has had on productivity, happiness, uh, your ability to connect with people, your ability to have relationships, your ability to be able to function in an, you know, in, in a team environment. Yeah. <clears throat> All these things that are critical to the, to your fire service, whether you're on duty or off duty. And so we really have to be careful about how we're using social media. Yeah. I'm not even going to get into the dumbasses who post shit about, you know, this and this, or they're in, they're in their uniforms doing some dumb shit, or they're calling sick. And then next thing you see them on social media, you know, <laughs> traveling in, in, in a, in a, in a country. That's just idiotic. And if, mm-hmm. and if you need to figure, if you, if you need someone to hold your hand on that one, then you know what? Maybe you shouldn't be a firefighter. Yeah. So we're going to assume that that's not you. Um, Cause that's a whole nother topic that gets me fired up. Yeah. Across no, the board. That's a, that's an interesting one, but I love what you just mentioned there. Um, I had an interesting experience a bunch of years ago. I went into a firehouse. I was there for on an assignment for about four months and the chairs were set up in such a way in front of the television that they were all lined up in a row. Right, and the kitchen table was like a long table behind those stratos, and the ta- and the chairs all faced the television. And we had an interesting political issue going on, and we needed to talk about it. And so we're trying to talk about it, but guys are like looking down the table left and right. And I'm like, God, this is not gonna work, right? And then some of the guys who are not engaged are just busy you know, tinkering on their phones or whatever. So. Uh, so I came in, I said, all right, here's what we're going to do. I, I, I pushed all the tables into the center. I put the chairs around the table. We brought the chow uh, at dinner time to the kitchen table. Um, so there was no getting up to go get chow. It's just all on the kitchen table. So we just eat and eat and eat. And I said, Hey guys, I, I took the TV, turned it off, put the remote away. And I said, Hey, we need to talk. Let's put our phones away for a little while. We ended up being at that kitchen table for like four and a half hours and it completely changed the conversation for us in that room. And that was just a, you know, that speaks to kind of the power that technology can have over us and in preventing us from having the appropriate conversations and relationships that we need to develop. And man, so I, I I think that it's important that as much as we want to integrate media and technology um, at the same, at the bottom end of this is human beings who need to build interoperability and trust with one another. And that takes human connection. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, one of the things I would love to see in a fire service that I've kind of tried and at my own station and, and, you know, it's, it doesn't, people are not willing to do it. So there's only so far you can push, but I would love to see everyone put their phones somewhere away during Uh dinner. Yeah. You know, we can have them so in case you get a phone call from home or from, you know, know, from your partner or your kids, whatever, we can put them somewhere you can hear them, but just get them off the table, out of our pockets. Cause I'm, cause I'm with you. You know, when I came in, family hours, what we call it, like family two hour, mm-hmm. you know, we, you know, we played dice games, we, you know, we BS, but in that time you heard stories and, yeah. and, and you learn things. And now dinner's over and a lot of, especially younger guys, they, they pull their phones out right away and look down. Some of them have their phones on during dinner, you know, and there's only so much, uh, you know, shit talking you can do to shame someone into putting their stuff away. 
Well, and, and the power the power that these technology have over us, man, it, it's almost automatic and you can't help yourself. And that's the power that we need to disrupt, right? The, the ability to pull your phone out, get a little nugget of, of uh, dopamine drop as you like check your feed for whatever, yep. or you get a text or, you know, what? That's, that's powerful, man. And so it's important that we disrupt that and we engage each other. And, you know, this is, I don't care who you are uh, in your firehouse, you need to lead uh, your crew to be more engaged with one another, go out and train together, go out and PD together, set those devices aside for a while and, and work on developing those relationships. But yeah, okay. but on the, oh, finish your yeah, thought. I, I would say on the positive side, you know, we can use social media to, to in an appropriate way to show what our department is doing to help the community, yes. right? To, 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 to outreach to those we serve, to, to, to build empathy and connection to the people who are out there in our department and outside of our department that may need help. Right. And so I think yeah. there are positive ways to utilize this technology. Yeah. Well, and look, look what we're doing right yeah. here. This is a great example. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Great. Sean. Awesome questions. Um, okay. Let's, uh, Joe at Trader Joe, uh, his question was getting in as a small guy, question mark. Um, and he had a couple of things here. He said, beyond bulking in fitness, what about the mentality of it? Always been a bit of a struggle for me, maintaining size and making the commitment to it. Woo. All right. Uh, well, uh, I don't, uh, what was this guy's name? Joe. Joe. Joe, you know, I don't know how big you are or how small you are. Uh, so I'm going to base these questions on what my image uh, might be. If you want to reach out to me, social media, I'm happy to, to, to talk to you more. But, I, but I'll say this. Hands down, number one, find you a jiu-jitsu school and enroll tomorrow. Hands down. Number one thing you can do, you will never have confidence issues about being small again. <laughs> and, 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 uh, you know, it sounds crazy. It sounds harsh. It sounds whatever you want to make it out to be, but does it mean I'll tell you real talk. I'm a big guy. I'm six, five at my biggest weight when I was crossfitting out of my mind, uh, believe in that, you know, whole philosophy. I was about 245, and, and I remember walking into the jitsu school and there's this guy named Chucho. And Tucho was a dishwasher at a restaurant and maybe on a good day was 130, maybe probably closer to 120 pounds and looked skinny. And my first thought was, I'm going to tear this little kid up. Right. Mm -hmm. And this guy mops, mops me around the mm -hmm. mats. I couldn't even stand up. He, and he could hold me down. And, and in that moment, I realized I've been lied to my entire life <laughs> about, about st strength and fitness and all that stuff. So from a confidence level, because I, because what I'm hearing in the question is you may, you may, I could be wrong, but you may lack a little bit of confidence because of your size. That right there would change that whole dynamic for you. You will yeah. look at life and everyone else a entirely different way. And that piece alone, because confidence breeds confidence, that piece alone is going to change the game for you. The second thing I will say is, uh, don't get locked into having to be the biggest, strongest guy on the fire ground. Cause the fire, the firefighting is not about being the biggest, strongest person. Uh, you know, it, it there, there's advantages to being big and advantages to being small and being durable and being fit. And, and, and that is far more important. And I would say more times than not, the limiting factor is not strength for, for, especially for guys. It's their, it's their endurance. And, you know, some of the best truckies, 
Because you think about truck guys and truckies being big, massive, you know, huge guys. And the best truckies that, I, that I've ever known in my career were quote unquote small guys. And man, could they move on roofs, right? Mm. And, and, and it was beautiful to watch them because they're, because they're agile. And so I'll leave those with, with those two thoughts right there. Yeah. So first of all, um, I got to say my introduction to BJJ was exactly that. I got rolled up by my, <laughs> my, by my firefighter who was 50 to 70 pounds lighter than me. And he was like, oh, let me show you some things. Blah, and I was choked out in a heartbeat. And, um, and it, uh, you know, you think you understand what it means to, to be able to manhandle somebody. Um, and you think you have, you know, and I have, I've had, you know, lots of experiences, you know, uh, fighting and being trained to fight, but never trained to do jujitsu. And so that sudden, that, that was an, an awakening for me that somebody so much smaller than me could ragdoll me in a heartbeat. So uh, to what you're saying, Aaron, absolutely on point. And I think that, um, it has, you know, my journey in jujitsu has completely changed my mindset um, and changed my frame of reference for my own sense of of capacity and health, et cetera. And so it's and it's really a good good thing to do. And um, you know, the thing that I thought of when I first read this question was some of the um, uh, the, the the fire department has such a wide variety of people on it. This idea that we have this frame of reference in our head that a firefighter's got to be big, broad-shouldered, and thick. Um, but the reality is that that is not the case. Uh, every shape and size uh, across the spectrum is represented on these agencies. And um, you have to take whatever skills and talents you have and you bring them to the game. And you will find a place that you're successful. Now, granted, if you say, hey, we got this 300-pound guy and I want you to drag him out, having a little bit more mass behind you is helpful. But you, you, know, you talked about being durable and fit. And at the end of the day, that is uh, really important, right? The the operational context in on the fire ground is unstable and slippery and um, and odd shaped and odd sizes and everything, all kinds of weird environments, right? And so your ability to be nimble and durable and flexible and, and to to manipulate odd objects in odd locations is really important. And you do not need to be the biggest beast on the planet for that. So. And I, I tell you what, you know, if, if you get in as a small guy, are people going to make fun of you? Absolutely. If you get in as a big guy, are people make fun of you? Absolutely. <laughs> so, it, it, like, yeah. it doesn't matter who the heck you are. People are going to find something to mess with you with. Yeah. And if you're small, hey, you already know the target is. That's easy, right? You, you know, so, so to, a certain, to a certain extent, you know, they're, they're, they're cheap shots. Yeah. Uh, the other well, part of this question that I think is, oh, go on, sorry. No, the one thing I was going to add to that is what do people value most? Capacity, right? They want to see, work they want to see, yeah, work yeah. ethic. They want to see people go out there and throw down. And if they, and if you're struggling, uh, and I told this, I've told this, told this story a bunch of different times, so I'm a, at, at the peril of repeating myself, I'm going to say it again. But I, I watched an engineer, uh, this gal who's about five foot nothing, a uh, hundred and nothing, um, standing out behind her truck, her crew needed a ground ladder. Uh, she was, you know, making connections and pulling, pulling levers and getting water down, down range. She's throwing tools out in the front yard for her crew. And then I watch her go get a ground ladder. And this, the back of the truck was incredibly high. And like I said, she's five foot nothing. She cracks the door open. She hangs onto the truck. She's like three steps up, hanging off the truck by like a, by one arm, pulling the ladder out with her other. She gets it so that it's just barely hanging in there. She run, drops down to the ground, runs to the very end, boosts it up. She's on her tippy toes trying to get this freaking ladder out, pulls it so that it starts to fall, jumps underneath it, hooks it with her arm and runs it out to the front yard. 
and then I thought, oh, should I help her? <laughs> After the fact. But no, she didn't need my help. She was totally capable. And I know, Joe, I, I'm, what I'm saying here is that uh, small guy, small gal, small people, you know, everybody has a, a, a position and function and, uh, and your capacity uh, is really predicated upon your willingness to learn what you need to do to be successful in that environment. And you're going to find it's going to be different from you than it is from me or Aaron. You know, both of us are over six foot. I'm not a giant like he is. I'm only six foot two. But, you know, at six foot two, um, I have a different uh, mechanical advantage than you do at at five foot or however tall you are. Right. So anyways, you were going to say yeah. something, Aaron. I cut you off. No, I was no, absolutely. I was, I was just kind of the other side of the question. You talk about bulking and fitness tips. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah Double edged sword. I'm on, I'm, I'm, I'm bulking when it comes to the fire service what? It is very, very hard to bulk and keep your muscular endurance going to, and, and, and this is, there's multiple reasons for this, you know, it's energy pathways. Part of it is the muscle cost, more oxygen use. Um, so you have to be very careful on over-focusing on bulking to the point where you lose conditioning to the point then when you can't really do the fire service job, because I've seen guys who are strong with oxes, but they're no good at a fire or no good at instances or no good throughout the day because they just can't keep, can't keep moving. Right. Um, so, but with that being said, Mark Rippento, Mark Rippento's got a bunch of books out there, a bunch of systems out there. Start strength is one of his most famous books. He will get you big. If you want to get big, he will get you big. You're going to have to lift like crazy and eat like crazy. Yeah. Um, and, and really limit the amount of quote unquote cardio you do. Um, that is going to be your, your, your path to bulking. But I will say, like I said, it, it's a double-edged sword. Don't bulk too much and, and lose conditioning. I've seen a guy in my crew who came in, he wasn't small, but he was skinny and he wanted to gain weight and he was able to put on, you know, 20, 30 pounds. Again, these aren't, these aren't clean pounds. It's, it's very hard to put on clean pounds. Anyone who sells you a system, where you're gonna put, and what I mean by clean pounds is muscle and not fat. Mm. Anyone, anyone out there who's selling you a system that I can put on muscle and you won't get any fat is either lying to you or some shit I haven't seen. Because really the only way to do that is with steroids. It's very, very hard to gain just amount muscle mass. And yeah. the older we get, the more impossible it gets. Yeah. And we, so this guy, he put, he put 20, 30 pounds on, mm. but it was a combination of muscle and fat. Right. Mm -hmm. But that year it took him to do that. He didn't do any, really any cardio, man. He was dog shit at fires for a couple of fires we went to. Yeah. And he realized this is the, this is not the Holy grail I thought it was. So just a cautionary tale. Yeah. So what I would add to that is that it is the most important metric is performance. The size of your, you yep. know, the, the tape measure around your chest uh, is merely interesting. You could have the best looking biceps on the planet. Don't care uh, if you can't perform under duress, right? So your ability to to Absolutely. Be, to be strong, powerful, and have and have a, a, a metabolic engine that goes is really the most important thing. So, so so my my assertion would be: Hey, don't focus on bulking. Focus on being the most have the most capacity across across all different domains, uh, across strength, across power and in your muscular strength, endurance, work on developing those things and you'll be more well-rounded. You know, yeah, you might not fit into a double X. Um, you might only be wearing a small, right? And that's okay. 
Um, like I said in my, my original story was, it is not about how big or strong you are. It's about your capacity for work and your ability to get shit done on the fire ground. That's, that's at the end of the day, that's all that matters. The, uh, so well, good, well said. good question, yeah. Joe. Thank you. Yeah. Well said. Hey, so here's what I want to end with. Um, my son uh, asked me a question and I thought it was a really good question for us to add. And that question is, what does it mean to be fire ground fit? And I'm going to throw that at you, Aaron, and then I'll take a stab at it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've spent the last 13 years coaching people on, on, on evolving that, that question and 20, 20 years of my career of trying to figure out what that means. So, uh, I don't know if I can ever figure out, figure out what that means. Um, but I'll take a stab at it. You know, I, you know, I think we hit on a lot of topics. You know, I think fire ground fit, we're just talking about a fire incident. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll keep it maybe small and might be a little easier to define that. I think your ability to be able to make sound decisions is super important. And that's based in your work capacity, how long you can keep going, how well your brain functions when you're hot and dehydrated and tired. Um, knowing that we, we have to train ourselves to function suboptimally because that's inevitably the fire, the calls going to come in when we're not in our peak performance zone. So I think fire ground fitness, what it looks like to me is it, is it looks like that motor doesn't quit the energizer bunny, you know, you might, you know, or the turd, you know, you might not get there that fast, but you're going to get it done. Right. And, and, and more so than the speed of which you have to move is just, you keep working, you keep plugging away, no matter what you, you, you keep moving. I think that's, if I had to sum it up in something a little easy to, to say, that's kind of maybe what I would frame it as. Nice. I like that. So I, my approach is a little bit different when I think of fire ground fit. Um, I go way broad, right? So I think of the physical mental and then the emotional or spiritual components. And uh, I I look at the, uh, the bicycle wheel and I go, okay, every spoke has to pull evenly. The tension has to be even for that wheel to be true. And if you want to be capable as a firefighter, uh, on the fire ground or, or just in general, you have to have balance in all of your things. And, um, you know, the guy who's, who's got a great support system and a great family and, and he's going to school and he's mentally, he's always tuned into the, the, the mental aspects of it, but he's never physically training. You know, you don't have the ability, you know, you don't have a, the, the mechanism to apply all that knowledge, right? Cause you're going to run out of steam. Um, versus, you know, conversely, the guy who's got a great physical set of assets, um, and is in the gym nonstop, but never actually is not a student of their craft, um, or who's not, not tending to their garden emotionally, right? They're, you know, they might be physically okay, but they're going to break down in, in, in every other way and, and they're not going to be able to be consistent and, and, and functional. So it takes, um, to me, fireground fitness, and this is kind of the whole, and I'll go, you know, the whole premise of this podcast, right. Is, is all the different things that we can do to be mentally, physically, emotionally, uh, spiritually prepared for the rigors of this, of this profession. Um, and you know Absolutely. anybody in in adjacent to it as well the military leo et cetera, these same principles apply 100% absolutely you know our our podcast we recorded was 38 you know it goes way down that path as well it, it, it's a well-rounded piece and yes. i'll go back and say this again i can't say it strongly enough jujitsu 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 <laughs> with the gi on with a gi with a gi with the gi i love jujitsu I mean, it, 
it will change the way you see the fire service and it will make you a better firefighter, make you a better person, period. It'll make you a better, it'll make you a better, um, firefighter for sure. And to everything they, they, they are talking about, you know, we have to perform under stress. We have to perform when we're tired. We have to keep our technique tight when we're tired. We always have to have an offensive mindset. We always have to have a mindset of when things go wrong, how do you make them better? Right. We always, we, we always have to be learning. We have, we have to be training. We have to be drilling. We have to, you know, keep our spirit strong and our mind strong, and our body strong. And we have to recover and all, all the different things are embodied into this one sport in, in the philosophy and also in the application. Yeah. Right on. Okay. I'm going to give you one rapid fire question, Aaron. You ready? Yeah. What is yeah. your favorite BJJ submission? I think I got to say it's got to be uh, a choke from Mount. Ooh. What, just type, what type of choke? Like cross, like cross collar? Cross choke. Yep. It, just because it's so demoralizing. <laughs> like, you know, when you do it to somebody, the person feels demoralized. When you get it done to you, you feel demoralized. It's uh, like, you, you, you know, you, you, the person has a cross collar grip on and they end up getting to mount. And like, you know, this thing's coming. Like, like, and like, and like you're fighting it and their elbows digging into your sternum. And you're like, this thing's coming. And you're, you're trying to fight it, get out of it. And they get that thumb in or, or the other four fingers in. And then they just, they just pull that thing in and drop that head down. And uh, my instructor, he's been a black belt longer than, than, than I've even been training. He always, he always he gets you there. And, he, and, and before he finishes his choke, he always whispers. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's something in your ear like, like, you're not so good today. Or, you know, in, in a kind of Portuguese accent or, 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 or you're not getting any smarter. Or like you know, or whatever it is, That's awesome. like, like this, you know, this, he always whispers something super, just super like, like what most people would think would be inappropriate or or or, or would be demoralizing. But it, it, it's his, you know, it's his love language. That's but, awesome. Uh, I love it. You know, I just, I just love it. That's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Nice. How about yours? I love it. What's your um, favorite? Lately, it's been baseball bat joke. Oh um, yeah, because I because I find them popping up in a lot of different places, and um, and they're do. so powerful. And um, when you get them sunk in nice and tight, oh, they work really well. I love that choke. They do. They do. Well, hey, man, we, we said we were going to go 30 minutes. I don't know if I promised that, but that was what we were kind of intending. Um, and we clearly went beyond that. But uh, um, hey, so let's wrap, let's wrap up. Um, where can people find you, Aaron, if they want to follow up or if they want to put uh, some questions live, at you? Yeah, live.serve.thrive on Instagram. That's the best place to find me. Reach out to me there uh, and DM me if you have any questions. We try to use social media for positive things. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Right on. It was a great time. I love this. We'll do it again. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, brother. Hey, that's all we got for today. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed that rap session. Uh, in the future, if you have any questions, we're going to do this again probably uh, in the not too far future. So be thinking about what questions you might have. Fire them off via email. Uh, hit me up on Instagram, drop into my DMs, what have you. Make sure you're following, following Fireground Fitness Podcast uh, on Instagram at Fireground Fitness. You can also follow on Facebook, Fireground Fitness, Twitter, blah, 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 etc. Also, check out Aaron Quinn's stuff at live.serve.thrive. He's got tons of good information, always helpful, always helping you find out ways to optimize and maximize your personal health. Now, go on out there. Get some.